Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Filmmaker's Cookbook. My name is Michelangelo. And I'm Charles Halbeck. And we are back. We've been gone for a little while, but don't worry. We did not give up on y'all. We spent a little time. We took a little break. We relaxed a little bit. You know, we're just, you know, summertime chilling. I guess a little bit, right, Chase? Yes. We we yeah. did not abandon you all. But also we took some time and we like reconfigured things and fine-tuned it a little bit. And hopefully we want to make it better for everyone listening. And hopefully we'll be able to achieve that. So we'll see how this goes. But anyways, as you all know, we've pretty much been doing two shows on this channel. Concession Impressions and Filmmakers Cookbook. Concession Impressions where we watch a movie and then we give our immediate review on our drive home. And then our main show, Filmmakers Cookbook, where we turn your favorite movies into dishes well pretty much from now on we'll be streamlining those two shows and we'll pretty much combine them together so into one super film fantastic filmmakers cookbook yes super film cookbook super film yeah you can tell we're out of practice about talking on a little tongue-tied we're getting back into the swing of things yeah i mean this is new so again we're changing things up but i hope you stick with us and hopefully that through the next few episodes we kind of iron this out and it can be an extremely enjoyable time but anyways so pretty much what the we most s- enjoyable time best experience you've ever had while listening to two guys talk at each other for an extended period of time exactly so we'll be starting off the episode and we'll be doing like a rapid fire concession impressions kind of going over instead of just picking one movie that we watched and discussing that one we're going to talk about the movies in general we watched and give a short summary review of that film so Without further ado, why don't we just jump into this episode, Chase, and talk a little bit about some of the movies you watched recently. What do you think? Let's do it. Do you have a list of what movies you watched recently? I, I definitely have, I have a long you. list. Yeah, I know. You've definitely watched a lot more movies than I do. Should we start off with Past Lives? Did you see it or no? I have not seen it. So I think what I think would be fun is your concession impression is like, should I go see this film? What do you think? Like, what's your rate? What's your ranking? Because, you know, that's what we're trying to... For, I think, half the people listening to the concession impressions were like, oh, is this a good film? Should I go watch it? And then the other half are like, I just watched this film and I want to hear someone else think of, like, what they think about the film as well, you know? So I think this is that part of the of the review of, like, I haven't watched this film, Chase, so tell me what you think and then either convince me to watch or don't watch it, possibly. Got it. Past Lives is a great little film it's it's very focused and this is my like new thing about films i only want to watch films that are like hyper focused i'm so tired of like expansive universes like hundreds of different characters i want a small little film with three characters like past lives and so i gave it a popcorn rating everyone should go see it it's not you know a perfect movie by any means but it's a great first outing for this new director so everybody should go see it great great little interesting introspective kind of romantic will they won't they kind of story cool yeah and i'm seeing online that it's going to be streaming on paramount plus with showtime it's a korean film i really wanted to see it while i was in theaters but i was so busy that i was unable to but i will definitely catch it on streaming that sounds really cool you got me there especially with the the overload of multiversal films recently i feel like it's going to be a nice break from that it's a breath of fresh air also i would challenge 
whether it's a Korean movie. I would say that it's a Korean-American movie or Korean-Canadian. I think the person is actually from Canada. But this is all baked into kind of some of the drama that occurs within the movie. Is like the main character is a Korean immigrant who's currently living in New York, but like grew up in Canada. Um, and so she's kind of split between these two worlds. Cool. Well, what, what else you got on your list there? All righty. I have Asteroid City. Oh, okay. This is be an interesting one. Yes. So this is Wes Anderson's latest film. I would say that it is Wes Anderson's most Wes Anderson-y film, even more than The French Dispatch. But I think it is also his most disjointed and disconnected. It's kind of just this weird accumulation of different scene ideas that none of it really goes together. So they're doing a special event for this film in LA. There was this movie theater that they pretty much, the entire theater was only playing this film. And they turned the entire theater into like a walking museum of sorts for the film so they had like set pieces like actual set pieces from the film set up within the theater and like the costumes from the film and different things like that and they also had like fake set pieces that like mimic the ones from the movie that like were like kind of picture points where you can just be like oh i'm pretending like i'm in the movie and then take pictures there and then they were had like a special concession stand that was like tailored more to the film but that was probably my favorite part of the movie like i think you put it really well it's just that like i left the movie thinking like i'm so confused about this film like i didn't know what was really going on half the time and then it ended and then i'm like wait what's going on i have so many questions that It just kind of abruptly ended. It's not just you. (laughs) It seems that Wes Anderson has decided he's going to be on this trend of loosely connected narratives with like one kind of connecting string full of just like Wes Anderson-y type scenes. So like if you think about The French Dispatch, the whole story is connected by the fact that it's a magazine and each kind of little short film is a article in the magazine. That made a little more sense than this one, where in Asteroid City, it's a play and each of the scenes are like connected by the fact that they are all a part of this play that the story keeps getting interrupted by <laughs> at various parts. Yeah. And it, it it's just very confusing. <laughs> Something about Wes Anderson movies, especially those of recent, are not really about anything, and yet they're also about everything, and they're just kind of pure aesthetic, and they kind of operate in this weird way where every person can walk away seeing a completely different thing every time they see the movie because they're just picking up on some new nuance or whatever is in the back of their mind they're interpolating into the movie. Yeah, I I agree. What would you say your concession impression of the film would be? Even though there are these like small moments I really enjoy and the overall aesthetic is always something I, I look forward to watching in a Wes Anderson movie, I do find that this movie is really underwhelming and unsatisfying for me by the time I left the theater. Mm. So I gave it a hot dog. Interesting. I'm going to give it popcorn. I think leaving the film, if we did a concession impression on the car ride home, I probably would have given it a hot dog. But I think after thinking about it a little more, I'm going to leave it at popcorn. Awesome. Cool. Next film. Uh, So the next film I saw was No Hard Feelings, which was just kind of a 
raunchy sort of rom-com kind of just like it's somewhere in between a rom-com and a coming of age story but it features jennifer lawrence and a new actor in a bizarre comedic situation where this new actor his parents are worried that he like the characters parents are worried that he has never had relations with a woman before and is about to go off to college and they think he's depressed and whatever so they they put out a craigslist ad for essentially someone to date their son and sleep with their son uh, for a car and jennifer lawrence's character is a broke struggling uber driver who lost her car and so she desperately needs a car and so she's willing to do anything to get a car so she can make ends meet and save her house from getting repossessed by the bank, essentially. That's the situation, and hijinks ensue, and it's very awkward comedy. It's by the the creator of Good Boys, I think is the movie, from like a Uh couple years ago. Okay. It's very like super bad energy, you know, just raunchy, but also very heartfelt. But that said, it's never like super funny, and it's never super heartfelt or super heartwarming. And so it kind of just lets you down. So I gave it a hot dog. Gotcha. I had ample opportunity to watch this film. It just didn't seem like a film that I would enjoy. And I'm glad that I didn't because you said hot dog. And that means, you know, I'm gonna that means maybe my uh, judgment of it from watching the trailers and stuff just was right. And, you know, I should just skip this one because I don't, it didn't really look good. Yeah, it, it's one of those movies that people will completely forget about. They've already forgotten about it. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, when you first said the name, I was like, what film is that? And then I was like, oh, wait, yeah, that's right, that film. But it, it did okay, you know, I heard it, it was decent enough that it made money, at least a little bit. Cool. So what else do you got on your list? Next one is a documentary called Everybody. It was just a interesting little documentary about the intersex people and how they relate to this current discussion about trans health and trans people. And it was just kind of, it was interesting, kind of enlightening, not like a super spectacularly awesome, one-of-a-kind documentary. It's just kind of an expository documentary about a subject that hasn't been really talked about before. So I gave it a popcorn because it did, it accomplished what it sought out to talk about, but is not like an amazing documentary by any means. Interesting. I'll have to check that out too. Then I didn't even didn't even know about that. So that's uh, something that to put in my radar as well. Yeah, Thanks. it was very small. I just ha- I happened to know slightly one of the people who was interviewed as a part of it, uh, River Gallo. So that's why it kind of popped out to me, and so I was curious about it. Cool. And then what, what else you got? Joyride. Joyride was like a comedic venture-ish film, mm-hmm. not like classical adventure, like Indiana Jones or anything, but like. A group of Asian female friends go on a adventure of self-discovery and like learn a bunch of shit about each other while comedic things happen. And it was pretty fun. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It has a lot of good actors. It has the daughter from Everything Everywhere All at Once. She plays one of the main characters and she's very fun. Has a really wild character arc in it. It was just like a fun movie kind of like Bridesmaid-esque kind of movie, or or if you've seen like a movie like Girls Trip, it's kind of that same thing. Ensemble cast of female comedians, and it was cool. It was fun. So I gave it a popcorn. I enjoyed it. Nothing like spectacular, but a good time. I haven't watched that one either, so I'll have to check it out. Nice. Well, what, what else you got on your list? So I, I watched a movie called uh, Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters. It's an older movie by Paul Schrader. He's the guy who wrote the movie Taxi Driver that was directed by Martin Scorsese. Mishima is a 
is is written and directed by Paul Schrader, and it's about a Japanese man who is a famous writer, Yukio Mishima, and he led a coup in Japan. He was like a very interesting, controversial writer and like early male activist for like male things. Oh, yeah. I, I've learned about him in, in when I was learning Japanese. It's a really, really fantastic film. I enjoyed like every second of it. Uh, so basically, it splices together moments from his actual life and then scenes from the stories he wrote uh, and the plays he wrote. And it's very interesting, very trippy, and has some of the best set design I've seen in a very long time. Peanut m cool. all the way. Nice. Okay. He was also like a, a, an actor, too, if I remember correctly. And he was... Yes. Yep, he did a, a couple of samurai films. It was very interesting exploration of like masculinity, gayness, war, violence, all of these things that Paul Schrader particularly loves. Like I said, Paul Schrader wrote Taxi Driver, has a very similar vibe. <laughs> But gotcha. in Japan and a much more expansive story. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, I'll have to check it out because I, I learned about him a lot in, in school uh, when I was reading a lot of uh, Japanese literature. Fun. What else you got on your... <laughs> <laughs> Next one I'll talk about is Mission Impossible. The most okay. recent one, whatever it was called. Dead Reckoning something. I don't know. They're all Part the same. Part one. God. This movie, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I mean, it's... It, oh, from that, from that, it feels like you didn't like it. I, I didn't hate it. I just think there was something weird that happened in this movie, which we may get to talking about later in this episode. All of the set pieces, I felt like I had literally seen them all before. In other Mission Impossible films? In other franchises and in other Mission Impossible films. And I started to, like, get really bored throughout the movie because it was so predictable. But then it would, like, get me back into it because it's really well made. So mm. I still kind of gave it a popcorn, but it's a very, you know, barely a popcorn. That's interesting. I actually didn't really like the first half of the film. I actually thought the editing was a little weird, but it might have been just me. And I didn't like a lot of just the setup or anything of the movie, but I think it, it picked up and then it had a few really great scenes. I really loved the train sequence. When they're on top of the train and, then, and they're fighting and they're going through the tunnel, that felt so intense. And then obviously the crazy stunt that you know tom cruise always loves to do that was also just like in my seat i was like oh my gosh i can feel this is scary for me and you can actually i don't know if you noticed it but when you right before he was jumping off i, I you can see his face and he's just he look he looks scared he's like <laughs> oh, i'm about to jump off this cliff and this is gonna be the last thing i do and it, it in the movie that's how i guess he's supposed to feel like oh my gosh i gotta jump off this thing to land on this train and he it you know the best acting is real i guess right i guess so. yeah i agree the train scene was like really well made really great i think my problem with it was that i had just seen the next movie i'm going to talk about indiana jones and the dial of destiny and they had a very similar train scene with very similar stunts yeah and i felt like i could predict exactly all of the stunts they were going to do and it almost felt like they had the same stunt coordinators and it was so weird and then it also ran way too long i heard that the the train sequence initially was the length of a feature film it was like an hour and a half long or something like that they cut a lot of it out and it was still really long of course 
But I don't know. Honestly, that part was kind of my favorite part of the film. But you're right. When I was watching it, I was like, Indiana Jones did the same thing. An earlier Mission Impossible film did the same thing. Like, uh, James Bond films do the same thing. There's like so many action adventure films that had a same fight scene yeah, they do on the a same train. moves and where the, the tunnel comes thing. and, you know, they have to hide and crouch underneath the tunnel or else they're going to get their head hit by the the bridge or whatever or something you know stuff like that it's always the same and i'm just like sitting here are set pieces dead has everything been done and is mission impossible like is anything about this original anymore or has it all been done to death although even though that's all been said and i agree with it completely i would still give it a popcorn yeah i mean i gave it i gave it a popcorn i think it was better than hot dog it was it was decent even though it was it felt like unoriginal but it was still fun i think i had a a good time with it nice all right well i guess the last film i watched on this list is indiana joe and the dial of destiny so what do you think about this film i was really intrigued by the diversity of reactions to it Uh uh-huh for me personally i really enjoyed it but then so many people i talked to immediately after seeing it did not like it at all like they hated it and i was so shocked by that before i gave you any of my like opinions on it I remember you were like, I can't believe everyone hates this film. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess you really like this film then. So I'm going to not say anything. But I'm not going to say that I didn't like this film. I think it was okay. But there were some problems with it. And I think, for me at least, I think it was a little too long. And I think that Harrison Ford is just a little too old, <laughs> in my opinion, to be doing an action-adventure film anymore. I agree with both those points. I think it is it is too long. And it was a stretch for Harrison Ford for a lot of the scenes. And there was that whole train sequence where they de-ageified him and it was so weird to look at. <laughs> I actually enjoyed it though. At times it was really funky, but besides that, it was like the best so far de-aging effect that we I've seen in a film. Except for his voice. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But you know, I think it, it looked pretty good looked pretty darn good but i'm guessing that's where all that money went to which was kind of a disaster for the film because it ended up losing so much money because it had such a huge budget yeah what was the budget it was like 400 million or something like that jesus christ i don't it didn't it hasn't even cracked so okay so it it cracked 300 it's like 330 right now and it cost up to about 400 million for the budget plus whatever marketing budget it it definitely failed and which is kind of sad which is so now harrison ford has ended three of his major franchises and all of them were kind of box office failures right he finished up star wars he finished up blade runner and now he finished up indiana jones and even though they're all decent films like the first star wars film the, the of the new ones was okay blade runner i actually really enjoyed the blade the, the blade runner 2049 but he didn't really do much much in it anyways but it's also this united jones film it was okay but also like it feels sad that all of his last uh franchises are kind of failures. part of the problem is just none of these should have been rebooted in the way they were maybe a case could be made for blade runner although i i have issues with that movie blade runner 2049 personally i don't know harrison ford i think probably isn't really 
he doesn't strike me as that he's like putting a whole lot of effort into these last few movies anyway but he is doing some really fun stuff on tv as of late which has been interesting to see i think that's where he should be not tv but like because those are all like not action films too right they're more like dramas dramas and stuff like that so i think that's where he should continue his acting i see why he did it but i think just like he should just stick to non-action films from here on out agreed also like he how old is he is he like 100 something 80 something 81 but he feels like he's 100 that's the thing is that he he he, all those years doing those stunts and everything and destroying his body he acts like he's a lot older especially in those like action scenes when he's next to a lot younger actors he's, he's very gruff i think overall i would say that i would give this a popcorn i think it was good i had a fun time but it for sure wasn't my favorite Indiana Jones film or neither was it my favorite adventure action film of the year. I agree. I gave it a popcorn because I thought it was a fun time and I liked a lot of the choices that it made. And I even liked the actor, the supporting cast that they hired. Uh, although I think that was the big problem for a lot of people is they didn't quite understand the female lead, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character. I think she's too sardonic of a character for an American movie possibly Uh but i'm very familiar with her her work i love her tv show fleabag that she wrote for amazon a couple years ago so i was really excited to see her on screen and i think she's really great so it really worked for me but i would agree it's not the best film of the year but it's a nice watchable film so i gave it a popcorn yeah i think what i've really felt the issue was like i said already is that the runtime and also it was a mixture of good and bad in terms of the set design the set pieces Mm -hmm. the set pieces of the film were either like really cool i really enjoyed them and they were fun sometimes they felt pointless or redundant or just boring and i think that's where it was and i think there's a little there's a few too many set pieces yes I agree, and I think that is one of the legacies of Indiana Jones, though, is like a movie that is basically all entirely set pieces, and there is no real story other than just one set piece after another until they get back home. Yeah, but what makes a good set piece, though? Yes, exactly. So we should we define set pieces first as we move into this new section? Maybe to into, clue in the listeners a little bit. Into the unknown a little bit? Yeah, sure. Why don't you, why don't you take the lead here? And sure. What would you describe as a set piece? Define it for us. Oh, I was going to say first before that, I okay. was going to introduce kind of this new format that we're doing here. is we are going to start discussing in more depth one particular thing from a movie we saw recently that is going to inspire each film cookbook episode. And so this episode was inspired by Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, and we wanted to talk about set pieces as a filming device. Moving on, what is a set piece? In film terminology, a set piece refers to a specific scene or sequence within a movie that is carefully designed and staged for maximum impact. Set pieces are often visually impressive, highly memorable, and serve as key moments in the storytelling, and they can involve complex action sequences, elaborate sets, special effects, or any other elements that captivates the audience's attention, and set pieces are commonly found in genres like action, adventure, and fantasy films, where they enhance the excitement and entertainment value of the movie. Yeah, great. That That's was my a, definition. That's a great definition there. <laughs> and uh, I also read on from Masterclass's article on set pieces, it says that a film 
tries to have a set piece every 10 to 15 minutes and usually the last set piece is like a big memorable thing this example of what they say on masterclass of like what a set piece is and like how often there is one and and about memorable set pieces and everything and the definition you just said like the original indiana jones just comes blaring to mind Raiders of the Lost Ark as I was watching the newest Indiana Jones film I kept just thinking that how the set pieces in the original film were just so much more interesting to me let's maybe go into that a little more yeah so I think what would be helpful would be to identify some of the ingredients that go into a really great set piece sticking with our theme of foodifying films Mm -hmm. and I think one of the things one of those ingredients is steaks and not like food oh. steaks. Oh. It's like narrative steaks. S T A K E S. What this means is that your character has to actually be risking something in order to have narrative tension. And so in the old older Indiana Jones movies, they have a tendency to be a lot more horror in essence, and it feels a lot more like your character could actually be impaled by something that's going to fly out of the wall, or there are real stakes, like your character could like actually lose a limb or something. Whereas mm-hmm. I think that was a big piece that was missing from Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is the stakes didn't ever feel so heightened that you were afraid that your character wasn't going to sur- survive or make it out of the scene. It always yeah. kind of felt like they had it all together and knew what they were, how they were going to get out of it, except for a few scenes. I think there was one really great scene, for instance, when they are in the ocean and you see tubes of oxygen start to fly away and you see their last gasps of air start to fly away that was a genuinely tense moment that i thought was pretty good yeah i like i said i think this one has very specific set pieces that just were really fun and very interesting and had really nice stakes but i think just there were so many that i don't even remember half of them and i think like going to the original one like talk about the very first set piece like that one is just intense you immediately feel the stakes and you see like dead bodies and like the guide who betrays him ends up dying as well. Like those like elements there just really set up and like also just how beautiful and interesting the set piece itself was, you know, like this little temple, him trying to somehow, I don't know why he thought it would work, try to match the weight, even though pulling it off would have, you know, thrown it off balance anyways. I don't know. And then the boulder coming through and like the whole thing, like barely getting through the end. I think it was great. And even then he, he almost didn't make it because, you know, he loses the treasure and he almost dies, They but he barely escapes. Just a perfect example of a good, memorable, fun, high stakes set piece. But I think also what I really noticed what makes a really good set piece is that it not only makes a fun, interesting, memorable moment with high stakes, but it also tells you something about the story and the character or characters. Like immediately in that first set piece, you can tell who Indiana Jones is. He's a adventurer, he's an explorer, he's a survivalist, he's witty, he's a good guy, right? And you kind of can tell this through his knowledge that he knows about the temple and how to navigate it and all these things, right? But he's flawed though, right? Because you also learn that he doesn't speak all these different languages, so he's not like perfect, but within this one set piece, you learn so much in this first 15 minutes about 
the main protagonist and you know this in this world that you're about to dive into yeah i totally agree the relevance to the themes and the relevance to the characters is super super important for these set pieces because as as we stated before the set pieces are usually the main thing that the that the audience remembers from the film and so mm-hmm. if they aren't relevant then your audience is not going to remember the right things <laughs> and they're going to walk away completely lost as to what your story is about but for me you mentioned steaks and uh, not the food steaks but for me when i thought of set pieces i imagined them as dishes not like food dishes but like plates or okay. bowls or cups or things like that right like their experiences that you enjoy right like there are things that like it's not the flavor of the dish itself but they're like little added elements that i mean not little sometimes they're big sometimes you get a huge plate and like a little tiny piece of scallop on it right like they're just things that change not just the taste but the overall experience of the thing you're tasting Mm -hmm. and i think that's what kind of where set pieces kind of come to my mind you know it's like going to like a hibachi grill and having the person like cook in front of you that is like a fun adventure set piece that's happening in front of you like that experience that when you leave you go home you're like the food was good, but like, dang, I really enjoyed that dish that was put on. Like, I can't believe I ate ice cream out of a shoe or something like that, you know? Like, it's like, so specific. Yeah, I mean, it's the first thing that came to mind, I guess. But, <laughs> you know, like, and you can go back and you can eat it again. You can watch it again and you can enjoy that dish multiple times over and over again and find new things you know what if it's a different chef who flips the knife up and catches it in the other hand or something like that like those are like different fun experiences that you can do maybe instead of eating a shoe you eat it in a sock or something like that like ice cream out of a sock you know like something new but like you can come back and enjoy the same flavor the same movie but you can find something different by looking deeper into this extravagant or simple but always enjoyable set piece yeah it's like uh, if you're having like a multi-course meal it's like one of the courses yeah i think that's a good way of thinking about it so now that we're thinking about flavors and dishes should we talk about the movie of the day the movie that we are going to turn into a dish inspired by all this discussion about set pieces and the latest indiana jones movie we're going to turn the very first indiana jones movie indiana jones raiders of the lost ark into a dish let's do it let's do it So what were the primary flavors for Raiders of the Lost Ark for you? There are definitely like these surprising elements to it. This is a really well-balanced film. Like there's definitely happy because there's like these witty, funny kind of moments throughout the film. It's kind of a somewhat happy ending because they win. They defeat those Nazis. And of course, there's some sad parts. Some people die and a lot, I mean, a lot of people die. But, you know, they're bad guys for the most part. The monkey dies. Man, poor monkey. And then, you know, there's definitely fear and somewhat disgust and anger like there's like all these flavors but i would say that i think surprise happy maybe a little bit anger i think are like my top three what what do you think yeah i think surprise was the biggest one for me that's kind of i think the main flavor for most like action adventure films is surprise i think there's definitely a strong balancing flavor of happiness and a strong balancing flavor of fear and then i think there's you know a nice little little 
complimentary, subtle tones of, of things like sadness, disgust, and anger, especially when you start thinking about like the Nazis and death and other things that happen mm-hmm. throughout the movie. It does have like a nice, like really well-rounded flavor profile, but I think the main ones are surprise, happy, and fear for me. Gotcha. Disgust for me, like, oh man. My favorite set piece in the film is that the plane scene when the they're in the, I wouldn't say airfield, but like the dig site and they're trying to leave the dig site. Yeah. And the plane, they have the hand-to-hand combat fight scene. And then the, like, big muscle guy gets just, like, chopped up by the airplane rotors. Is Ugh, that's just a disgusting scene. But but it's also, like, kind of hilarious. <laughs> and also really cool. Like, it, it was the scene that in the new movie that I was just like, dang, they should have had that scene in this movie, too. Like, because that would have been a fun callback, possibly. And just, like, that's one of my favorite set pieces in the original one even though it's i guess because it's so disgusting even though they don't show anything but just like you kind of imagine it just imagining it just just sticks in your mind and maybe that's why it's st- stuck in my mind until this day you know but mm-hmm. but yeah i totally agree with what you said i will say that the first thing that came to mind was like a nice steak dinner or something like a a dinner that was is really good but also kind of pointless because the film's kind of pointless right the whole film they're chasing from set piece to set piece to get the ark of the covenant away from the nazis or using it for hitler to take over the world or kill everyone by opening it however the the nazis open it and they all just die so like if he didn't do anything then they would have died anyways right so it feels like a pointless not like pointless movie because it's really enjoyable but like a dish that's like supposedly healthy but at the same time it's kind of like not the thing that came to mind initially was like i don't know if you ever had these but like buffalo cauliflower wings okay i have yeah it's like instead of having like chicken or some meat or something it's cauliflower that's been breaded and fried and like covered in buffalo sauce i enjoy the the direction i I think it's like oh it's healthy right because you're eating veggies but at the same time it's like it's still deep fried and also covered in sauces and stuff so it's not Mm -hmm. really healthy but it's like oh it's 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 like a pointless healthy right like cool you're having like a healthy set of mind but at the same time you're still eating deep fried foods so you're saying it's healthy because in our cinematic diet discussion we're saying this is healthier for you than some of the less well-made movies yeah i mean because if you look at it it holds the test of time i felt like it's a fun enjoyable movie i watched it again a few times recently and i enjoyed it several times watching it recently all the set pieces are great memorable fun it's a perfect length you know it's like an hour and a half a great time it's fun it's witty it's overall a great film but again it's it's not really like saying a lot you know i mean it has some things it's saying but it's not like a deep film it's like a classic adventure action film so Mm. it's not something that you're gonna i don't know be thinking about for weeks to come afterwards other than like wow that movie was so cool kind of thing like that set piece was so fun or that action scene was so cool i can't believe harrison ford shot the guy because he was feeling sick and he didn't want to actually do the fight so he just shot him and said like that's such a cool fun idea like you know how good job harrison ford you did improv on set (laughs) those things are fun but it's not necessarily like like there's no like cool techniques that push forward movies in in and how movies are being made or something like that right like right i i don't know for sure i i guess 
it probably wasn't necessarily innovative from a technique standpoint when it first came out either, but it was just kind of a a moment because it was a blockbuster success. It was what launched Harrison Ford, right? Or did Star Wars mm. launch Harrison Ford? I mean, he's been around for some time because this movie came out in the 80s, so... So, so it was Star Wars then. Star Wars came out in the 70s, right? Because I think it was American Graffiti was where George Lucas met Mm -hmm. Harrison Ford. Yeah, so he did Star Wars, and then the year later he did Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then the year after that he did Blade Runner, and then multiple Star Wars and Indiana Jones back-to-back. Yeah, what a what a way to start a career, Jesus Christ! And then he was in like everything. Yeah, that's a good point. Is like it's a great, it's a big blockbuster film. It was, it's a great film, but it didn't really necessarily start anything other than like it started his career or it expanded his career. But like you know, before Indiana Jones, there were other action adventure films like James Bond films were around for a good twenty so years before this already Mm. so we already had like similar stuff going on right well i don't know because those earlier james bond were like spy thrillers they were not so much like action adventure they were like i know but we also had like african queen like you said already right like that also was like that's true the start of like those things like i wouldn't say it was like oh wow this is the first action adventure film there's elements that are taken from other already established or things that were like the godfather of those genres but it Mm -hmm. definitely is here is a good film that kind of takes different things and does a good job with it so Maybe it's also another thing that I thought of was like, it's a dish that just has a bunch of things that are kind of mixed together. So I kind of also thought, have you ever had a bibimbap? Like the Korean dish? No. Which is also... Say it again. Bibimbap? I'm not even sure I can say that. Going back to what I was saying, how set pieces are like a dish, like a plate or something, or this experience and how the dish is presented to you. I think bibimbap is like a good example of this because the ingredients are all put in like a stone pot that is like heated and then you, it's given to you in this like sizzling stone pot. And yeah, I just like, Googled it and it looks really tasty. It is amazing. So you has like rice that's on the bottom which usually because it's like you know this pot this pot is really hot the bottom kind of the rice starts to crisp up and then you kind of have just like a different assortment of just ingredients you right like you can have different stuff you know like meat or egg or mushrooms or different veggies and then you kind of have this like usually this sweet it's like a korean spicy so it's like a slightly spicy slightly sweet sauce that's poured on top and then you kind of just mix it all together and just like eat it it's it's really great but you know like it's kind of like an amalgamation of these is just different ingredients that are just kind of all mushed together but also presented you to you in like a really beautiful way right in like a heightened way yeah yeah i I really like that one i going along with your earlier idea of kind of cauliflower wings i was also kind of thinking like bar food and so the thing that i thought of was spicy twist tacos Uh where there would be like an assortment of tacos each taco would be the flavors would be inspired by one of the locations that they visit so Peru, Nepal, Egypt, and then maybe the Americas. And so that's what I was thinking about is like you could kind of travel with Indy through the different locations. I like that. I like how it feels like a, I don't want to say like 
I don't know if this is the right term to use, but like a postmodern style restaurant of something like where it's like <laughs> sure. you, it, you go for the experience more sometimes in the food itself. Mm-hmm. Like I went to this bar in Las Vegas where it's like these, it's like a grocery store and the cocktails would be like fake groceries. So it was like a, an old fashioned that was made from like Windex. Oh God. Um, <laughs> But it's not actually Windex, but it's like in a Windex bottle, but it's like dyed blue and they'll spray the Windex into like a cup. And it's like, here's your old fashioned. It's just, it's like a Windex old fashioned. And it's like, it doesn't really taste that great, but it's like an interesting, fun experience of like going into a grocery store and picking and getting a, an old fashioned cocktail that's served blue to and, you out and, of a squeeze bottle. That's amazing. Yeah. Which is like, you know, I feel like that kind of experience of like, oh, you're going into a restaurant, like, uh, like, welcome to Inna Jones thing. And the first meal is gonna be this dish from you know nepal and then here's dish from the middle east or here's a dish from america kind of thing you know like i feel like that's a kind of a fun thing as well and i feel like that kind of is why indiana jones and lots of different action adventure films are so rewatchable is just they're kind of split up into these different little maybe tacos that you just you bite the taco, you taste the taco, and then they that's the end of the set piece and you move on to the next set piece, you know, that carries kicks the story down a little further until you finally finish the entire meal. But it's like it's all kind of disjointed. There's like lots of little mini arcs throughout the story as opposed to one large arc oh. as you might get in like a drama. Yeah, do you know what tapas are? Yes, tapas would be cool too. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm imagining possibly like it's like a tapas restaurant. Mm. Yeah, that could be cool. you're not necessarily going to get one dish because they're all little small plates. So you, you get three or four dishes and they all arrive and they all have their own distinct, unique flavors and they kind of represent a new idea, a new place. And together you have a complete meal, but overall you have several tapas. Yeah, I like that. That's cool. Cool. Now we have an even more daunting task of not just making one dish, but making possibly several tapa dishes. I, I think we could start off with saying like maybe there's like a, a Peruvian dish tapas. There's a Nepal and then Egypt. You know, some dishes from Egypt could be cool. And then maybe maybe we could throw in your bibibop somewhere in there. That could be cool, like a mini one. Uh-huh. But I feel like that's kind of what makes a really good action-adventure film is just, like, lots of little great filmic bites that leave you really satisfied by the end. Yeah. So that feels right. Cool. For some of these tapas for Nepalese? Sure. How about, like, a momo or momos? I don't know how actually you would call it, but they're, like, little tiny Nepalese dumplings oh they look really good yeah that's awesome so maybe that could be a dish maybe some like uh, moroccan like lamb kebabs or something like that or what there's this like really like great grape leaf thing that an egyptian uh, friend i had made once they're really good i think i know what you're talking about and they're like stuffed right is that the one you're talking Mm -hmm. about they're so good warak inab i have no idea if i'm saying that right but they're stuffed grape leaves really intense flavor aromatic rice it's great so i like yours let's do this the warak and up i don't know if i'm saying either right but that sounds great i've had it only once in my life and i really enjoyed it so let's do that i i do like to keep the bibimbap but i will say that i don't know if it necessarily fits anymore because they never go to korea or really asia i don't know if it fits either so i think let's maybe skip it i do think that possibly the buffalo wings could fit still because they do 
start somewhat at the beginning of the film in America. So that could be possibly still in. Yep, I like that. I like that. I do like the Momos. I like the Momos a lot too. That That's for Nepal, right? Yeah. And then we need a Peruvian dish. How about like ceviche? Ceviche could be good. That's the actual national dish of Peru. I just like lamb kebabs for Morocco, but I don't know if we necessarily double dipped for Morocco already. Well, they spend most of the movie there, so it works. I like it. Do you want to throw it in there or do you want to keep it out? Let's throw it in there. Cool. All right, and let's do ceviche as well. You know, we got we got a good amount of and a good variety, just mm-hmm. like how this film has a good variety of locations and set pieces that are distinguishable from each other, fun, different in flavors, and leaving you with just enough that you enjoyed it and want to come back for another time to eat it again. Exactly. Perfect description for Indiana Jones. And for these dishes. I think that's it's beautiful i love it we've done it again chase this podcast is amazing we're we're doing such a good job at turning these (laughs) movies into dishes you did have me though at steaks early on i really wanted to call the episode steaks and steaks nice that would have been fun anyways that about wraps up this episode high five High five. Yeah. From, you know, E5. E5. (laughs) I hope everyone at home, you enjoyed listening to this episode. I know it's been a little, it's probably a little bit chaotic more so than before, mainly because we're we're doing this new format. But I hope you enjoyed. I hope it's best of both worlds in some cases where you can don't have to listen to two completely different episodes and you kind of get the best of everything in one. And, you know, hopefully it was fun to listen to. And I'm sure that we're going to get better at this doing it a few more times. So uh, please bear with us. But I hope we come back the next episode and look forward to another deep dive into a dish slash movie that we're going to talk about. Bye. Yeah. Have a great, great time, everyone. We'll talk to you in the next episode of Filmmaker's Cookbook.